0: pretty gripping opening line to this morning's gospel reading. It opens with those ominous words, the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. You just feel the suspense and the hostility that's in the air. And we certainly know something is up by all that unprovoked flattery that both the Pharisees and the Herodians start pouring out to Jesus. Teacher, we know that you're sincere and teach the way of God. It seems that both of these groups are trying to lure Jesus into their trap by a little bit of seduction. And we all know that approach will never work when it comes to Jesus. One of the things that we often lose in the translation of our time and our culture is that the Pharisees and the Herodians really hated each other. The Herodians were extended members of King Herod's family, and both the Pharisees and the observant Jews considered them to be pretty much traitors. They were, in fact, Jewish converts and were skilled at playing both sides of the field, being loyal to Rome and its puppet rulers when it suited them, and being loyal to the Torah when it suited them. The Pharisees, in their quest for purity, just preferred to avoid the Herodians at all costs. But even they cannot keep themselves away from those juicy arguments about politics and religion. So these two camps, one representing Rome, the other the Jewish people, are now out to ensnare Jesus in one of the most controversial issues of the day. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Again, in our culture, it can be hard for us to wrap our heads around why this was such a big deal. I mean, nobody likes paying taxes, but we all do it, don't we? Of course we do. But in ancient Rome, paying taxes was much more than just paying for new roads to be constructed or new aqueducts. It actually had a deep religious significance that we just don't associate with paying taxes today. But you see, the emperor of Rome was thought to be an incarnate god, and so he used to be worshiped among the pantheon of gods in Rome. So the eyes of a Jew To pay taxes to Rome was to support a false religion, in violation of that first commandment that God gave Moses, to have no other gods before the God of Israel. What's more, having coins with Caesar's image on them was a violation of the second commandment, which prohibited graven images. In framing this question as to whether paying taxes is lawful, now brings the forces of the Torah, the law, fully to bear? Answer yes, if you violated the Torah, and the Pharisees would have you on blasphemy. Answer no, and the Herodians would have you on treason. It was the ultimate loaded question. There was no right answer. So Jesus, with that crowd gathered around him, sees this ploy to seduce him into incriminating himself for what it is. He calls them out as hypocrites and asks for a coin. We can imagine all the irony in the air when he holds that denarius, looks at it closely, and says, whose face is this? It's the emperor's. Okay, give it back to him. And give to God what is God's. And you can cue all the snickering about the crowd giggling at the humiliation of those Pharisees and those religious elites. So when we hear the phrase, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things which are God's, it's tempting for us to start parsing out what belongs to Caesar or the emperor versus what belongs to God. The problem with doing that is that we really miss the point that Jesus is actually using that false dichotomy to flip the question of the Pharisees and the Herodians on its head. In his response to that loaded question of theirs, Jesus is really addressing their hypocrisy. It isn't really making a statement on where our money should be directed. And here's why. As a Jew, Jesus believes in the sovereignty of the God of Israel and that there is no distinction between what is of this world and what is of God. After all, God created the world and all that is in it, didn't he? And God, the God of Israel, even created the emperor of Rome. So what exactly does belong to Caesar and not to God? Absolutely nothing. Everything belongs to God and there has never been or never will be any exceptions to that. And with this in mind, there's some pretty big implications for our lives today and our own stewardship of the gifts that we have been given. What if we really lived like absolutely everything belonged to God? Not just our money or our possessions, but our bodies, our thoughts, our creative energies, and our impulses. Everything belongs to God. And what has been given to us is, we can say, on loan, temporarily. How would that concept change us? How would that concept change our lives and how we manage our affairs? How would that concept change the way our country is run and where our national resources are directed? If we forget that all things belong to God first, we can get caught up in the idea that we can just purchase whatever we want just because we want to. That's the mentality of a consumer rather than one centered on God. But when we acknowledge that everything comes from God and we're only stewards of it, then our duty is to make as light a footprint on our planet and on our finances as we can. Perhaps that should influence every purchase decision we ever make. Stewardship also has implications on our own bodies. If they are on loan from God, how should we take care of them? If my intellect is on loan from God, how do I use it to build up the body of Christ? If we are engaging in habits that hurt our body or our minds, how does this grieve God? How can we commit to change? How do we use our time and where we're giving it to God's mission, both in the church and in the world? keeping our focus on the reality that God is the source and the author of all that we have and all that we are reminds us to place our commitment to God first. It doesn't mean we don't render unto Caesar, but it does call us to question all the Caesars which try to claim our time, our energy, and our money. If we think about it, We live in a society where there are a myriad of activities and causes which can fill our schedules and cause us to forget or even supplant our commitment to God. Busyness is a temptation that presents many Caesars which will try to claim us. But when we keep our eye on God first and commit to that relationship before all others, That puts us in a position to evaluate all other commitments and prioritize them, so they don't become tyrants, which then enslave us. In our own baptisms, we are claimed as Christ's own forever. Our gratitude for this new life can transform us into people who put God first, and in doing so, find the joy of a life Center on God. Render unto God, first and foremost. Caesar will take care of itself.